0: And the first reading is from Revelation chapter 21. Beginning at verse one. If you want to follow it in the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1249. Revelation 21, beginning at verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, are trustworthy and true. The second reading is from Colossians chapter 3, uh, beginning again at verse 1, verses 1 to 4, on page uh, 1184. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. mommy daddy are we nearly there yet have you ever heard that in the back of the car does that sound familiar to any of you with young children our children grew up in the days of postman pat maybe postman's pat's still around i don't know um, so we would judge the car journey by the, the postman pat lasted for about 15 minutes And we would, if we were sort of 15 minutes or so away from the destination, we would say, there's only one postman pat left uh, until we get there, or two postman pats. And if it was more than two postman pats, we're probably economical with the truth. (laughs) Are we nearly there yet? On the 25th of October 2018, yes, 18, not not this year, there was a a program on BBC Radio called Are We Nearly There Yet? Guess what it was about? (laughs) Yes, well, I don't know if we're nearly there yet. But that's 15 months ago. Back to the car journey, Postman Pat, which is far more interesting. So yes, we're only two Postman Pats away from the end, so let's find ways of distracting ourselves, and we come up with, uh, as you no doubt have done, first one to spot, or I spy, or whatever your particular diversion tactic might have been. And their minds, their journey, the journey, the back of this car was so dull and so uninteresting, uh, the only way that you could endure it was either to be completely distracted from the journey uh, or hope that it was nearly over. So one way or the other, you, you kind of made it through to the end. And you know, that is a common misconception about the Christian hope, isn't it? Pie in the sky when you die, that's, that's all there is to it, is a common misconception. An opiate that enables us to survive the present life, to endure the difficulties of life until uh, only because of what's promised in the afterlife. At the start of of Peter's letter, he speaks of a living hope, a hint that there is more than a question of our ultimate destiny. This hope that we have in Jesus is alive, it's a living hope. So as we come to the end of a new year, and as we've been reminded, in fact, a new decade, And as we enter 2020 and we enter a new decade, let's remind ourselves of what this hope is and why and how it has the power to transform the present, not just uh, looking forward only to the future. In what sense is this a living hope? Well, first of all, what is our ultimate destiny. We've read this uh, amazing passage from uh, Revelation. At the heart of the Christian faith is the belief that that when Jesus died and rose again, that evil was destroyed. The, The evil that destroyed and defaced God's good creation was forever decisively dealt with. And there's a consequence, Paul says in Romans eight, that all things, all things on heaven and earth will one day be reconciled to the creator. That's an amazing hope. And it's a victory that goes way beyond the believing community. Every force, every power in the entire cosmos will be brought under the authority of Jesus the Messiah. And we have this amazing promise that what God did in in raising Jesus from the dead, he will do not just for us, but for all creation. What a hope. Ultimately, death itself giving up its power. This is an amazing hope. And God's entire creation filled with his presence and his love. What a hope. So it's no wonder that Paul describes the present creation as waiting eagerly, eagerly, longing for the day when the sons of God, which God's children are revealed, heralding in his loving and wise rule over his creation. The ultimate destiny that we've been promised is, is amazing. And the whole narrative of, of the restoration story of humanity, beginning at chapter 12 of, of Genesis, when we've had chapters 1 to 11 describing its fall, the whole narrative, and of course it centers on Jesus, reaches its climax in the passage that we had read today in Revelation uh, 21 22. John describes what he saw. I saw the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The climax of the whole story, right at the end of scripture, this wonderful image, the, the wonderful vision that John has. We pray today, your kingdom come. This is its ultimate fulfillment. This is the final answer to that prayer. Heaven and earth coming together, Jesus and his people made for each other like a couple on their wedding day. Look, says the voice from the throne in our reading, God's dwelling place is now among his people and he will dwell with them. No need for a temple in this city. No need for a sacred space. No need for that thin place where heaven and earth intersect. Why? Because later John says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. What a hope. And so it goes on to that amazing words of comfort. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain and I love that bit at the end where Jesus from the throne says to John John write these things down this vision is not just for you it's for generations to come write these things down and aren't we glad that he did what a hope we have and that is a hope that has brought comfort to many in the darkest days of, of life and toward life's end the hope of our ultimate destiny and these words says Jesus are trustworthy and true and they give us hope but we're not there yet so like the little chap on the car journey is the Christian hope a matter of focusing our mind on life after death And in the meantime, somehow just distracting ourselves from the present pain and difficulty and challenges of life until we get there. Is that it? Well, let's turn to our Colossians reading, where Paul makes this extraordinary statement. And we dealt with this passage, didn't we, earlier this year in our series, where Paul says, you have been raised with Christ. Christ past tense. You have been. So, what Paul is saying is that we can begin to experience here and now this great hope. This is not just a hope for the future. This is a hope that we can realize now. Mommy, Daddy, are we nearly there yet? Let's imagine that little Charlie in the back seats it's his birthday and you're taking him down to the coast to the beach for the day but you're well down the A3 and you've exhausted every diversion every distraction that you can possibly think of you've you've exhausted it all and he is completely fed up looking at the back of your car he's strapped in but a few miles before you get to actually the car park you reach the coast And there in front of you, as you turn onto the coast road, is the beach and the ocean. But you've got a little bit of the journey left. And the journey is transformed. Everything changes. You roll down the windows. You can see the beach. You can hear the seagulls. You can see people walking along the pavement with ice cream. You can smell the ocean. And the journey is transformed. Little Charlie is cock-a-hoop. Why? Because he's suddenly found the inside of your car more interesting? Or because you have found some ingenious way of distracting him for the last bit of the journey? No, not at all. His journey is now transformed because he's beginning to experience the excitement the day has in store for him. He's beginning to get a foretaste of it. And he's still in the back of that boring old car and he's still strapped in his seat, but he's beginning to get a foretaste of what lies ahead, here and now, right in the car. When Jesus speaks of prayer in that farewell passage in John, the night before he's crucified, He speaks of a new relationship will come as a result of his death and resurrection. He's going away, but he's going to send his spirit to be with them. It took the disciples some time to really catch on to the fact, but gradually they realized that through the gift of his spirit, the relationship that Jesus had with his father. Was becoming theirs and, of course, ours. This wasn't something that they had to wait to the end of time for. Of course, we hold on to the hope that by that one day of dwelling with God, one day we will dwell with Him in that extraordinary picture in Revelation. But here and now, by His Spirit, we can experience the reality of his presence in our daily lives. And in the messiness of our lives, in the pain of our lives, in our work, in our family life, and so on. This is what Paul means when he said, you have been raised with Christ, a life of intimacy, a life with your heavenly Father, which one day will become a physical reality you can experience here today by His Spirit. And even in our weakness, when we come before God and we can't even find the words to say, Paul says that by His Spirit, in Romans 8, that the Spirit intercedes for us. Even when we can do nothing more than groan, we can know His presence. And we can be assured that the Spirit, He says, calls to the Father. This is a, this is a reality, and this is indeed a living hope. What other ways is this hope living? What does it really mean? What else can it mean? What else can we work out how it, what it means to be raised with Christ? And how may we enter the presence of the Lord? When we join together in worship here in this building and we take communion, we do more than remember Jesus' death. We celebrate the presence of the living Lord we break this bread to share in the body of Christ, is what we say. Yeah, the bo- Yes, the body of Christ, which is the only part of creation which has already been liberated from death and decay. We share in this body. Yes, we look back on his death and we look forward But we also look forward to that scene in Revelation 21 when we will participate in that wedding banquet, and we do it right here today. When we participate in this in a wedding banquet, it is love that defines the relationship we are celebrating, isn't it? And isn't it beautiful that in John's vision, in, in in Revelation. He, he characterizes by a bride and groom. That's the illustration. That's the, the, the picture that he gives us. To characterize his relationship with his people. And so often at a wedding, we, we listen and enjoy the, re, the, the reading from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It always protects. Always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And we love to hear those words. But at the end of that passage, Paul speaks, Paul reveals that he's actually speaking about our ultimate destiny with a God of love. And he ends it saying this Now we see but a poor reflection of this love, as in a mirror then we shall see face to face. And he creates in that that sort of tension between the glimpses of what we get now that is real as only a foretaste of what's to become. To be raised with Christ, to have living hope, is to begin here and now to receive the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. A living hope must mean that what is true in the future must begin to be true now. That's what Peter means by a living hope. What is true in the future begins to be true now. Now we see but a poor reflection. Then we shall see face to face. Finally, just back to our passage. Since, Paul says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Since this is true, because this is true, and you have been given this living hope, set your minds, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We live in a society, don't we, where we're experts at distraction. We have the resources and the technology and the ability to distract ourselves in every conceivable way. Many of them innocent things in themselves, from holidays to acquisitions, to mobile technology, to experiences, We have every means at our disposal to distract ourselves. But none of these things, be they harmless in themselves, will ever satisfy our deepest needs. Jesus said, whoever drinks the water that I will give them will never thirst, ever thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus invites us into a living hope. He invites us to like little Charlie, wind the window down and just take it all in. The wonder of his love, the wonder of his presence, which is our, or it can be a reality here and now, and yet only a foretaste of what is to come. These are things are not to, to just distract us from the difficulty and pain that we have to endure in this world. They enable us to face up to it and get through it. They're not distractions from the dullness of the journey but they transform the journey by experiencing the reality of a living hope, even in the pain and suffering of this life. And the knowledge that until we reach our final destiny, we are safe in the the palm of the hands of our loving heavenly. May God renew our hope as we enter a new year and a new decade and fill us with hope and strength in the days to come. Shall we pray? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Lord, as we enter a new year, with whatever lies in store, fill us, we pray, With your living hope. Help us to set our minds on what you are doing in our world. Fill us with your love and hope and the knowledge that what we know of your love now is but a poor reflection of what we shall experience when we see you face to face. Thank you, Lord of the hope that you've given us. Amen.